Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and uh, meet me at verse 25, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Today, I don't have a sermon for you. Uh, today, I want to talk to you like a father would talk to you. I want to talk to you like a, a good pastor would talk to you. And I just want to encourage you and I want to share some things on my heart for you that will tremendously bless you. Now, the verses we read today uh, are very famous. Uh, you will be familiar with them, but they are also impactful and they are going to change your life if you see them in a fresh new light. In verse 25, it says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, the first part of this verse, do not worry. Say, do not worry. Do not worry. worry. Now, this is the most ignored words of our Lord Jesus Christ because many of us are used to worrying about our life. We are used to feeling some kind of way about our future, about our current position in life, and about the end of our life. And Jesus is telling us, do not worry about your life. Matter of fact, I believe it's John chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus literally says, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Simply saying, stop allowing your heart to be troubled. So don't allow it. Stop it. And listen, there are things in the world, uh, things we hear, things we see, things that uh, that we anticipate that uh, will cause our heart to be troubled. But Jesus tells us, don't allow it. Stop it. Stop right now allowing your heart to be troubled. But have you ever asked yourself, what happens to you when you worry, like literally examining yourself, taking a look at yourself and saying, when I get worried, what typically happens? Uh, do you typically start sweating or have chills? Uh, do you start shedding? Does hair just start falling out? Uh, do you lose sleep? Do you toss and turn? Are you restless? Is your mind cloudy? Uh, Do you begin to bite your nails? Do you begin to get fidgety? Do you begin to have pain in the back of your head, your shoulders, your neck? Examine yourself. What, how do I respond when worry is present in my life? And I began to examine myself a few years ago in regards to how I respond when worries in my life. And I started noticing some different things. When I start doing some different things, I know right away, okay, I'm worried about something. And I stop it. I say, literally, let's address the worry that's going on in my life. And I literally stop it. Yes, for me, I'll begin to bite my fingernails. And I don't normally do, but I'll begin to bite my nails. And I, I, I know right away, okay, I'm worried about something. Let me stop it. Let me address it. Because scripture is very clear. Let not your heart be troubled. So worry is a sin. Worry is a sin. And worry disguises itself as wisdom. 
Worry disguises itself as I'm just being responsible. And uh, we have to understand that worry is what divides our mind and our thinking. Worry literally zaps you of joy, which is your strength, and uh, it literally allows you that particular day to lose the strength for the day because it has zapped you of the joy of the day. Uh, worry will literally, like an outstretched arm, reach into the future and pull the troubles of the future into the present and literally cause you to take the problems of the future and bring them into your present situation. This is what worry does, and then you'll lose your joy, and then you'll lose your strength. Conversely, what hope does, hope reaches into the future and brings that expectation of something good that's going to occur in the future and you bring it into the present and you are literally filled with hope and joy because your expectation is like an outstretched neck or an outstretched arm expecting God to come through for you. Well, worry is simply the opposite. It reaches into the future and brings all of the troubles of the future into the present. And so you can literally ruin your present situation by worrying about the future. And worry is always connected to the future. Worry is always connected to an, an, an obstacle or, or a situation that you are uh, contending with, that you're thinking through. Uh, worry is, worry can be connected to that present situation. Now, anxiety is a little different, and I don't want to really talk about anxiety today, but anxiety is kind of a long-term sort of a way of living where you essentially are just anxious about everything. But worry is a little different. It's always connected to something. And typically, humanity is simply worried about our safety. We, we're, we, we generally speaking, we are concerned about are we going to be safe? Uh, and can I keep my family safe? Um, worry is also connected to uh, finances, or am I able to provide for my family? Can I provide for my family? And with all the rhetoric that's going on today in our society and all of the things that we are hearing amongst the news and things that are going on where people essentially could possibly be losing their jobs and people could possibly be losing their income, worry has disguised itself. And says, you know, no, you got to think through these things. You got to be responsible. You got to, you got to look ahead in the future and plan for what may anticipate may happen. But the truth be told that everything that's being talked about today may not happen in the future. Every negativity that's being broadcast today on the airwaves may not happen in the future. And what worry tends to do is bring the worst case scenario and say, this is your situation, this is your condition, and this is what's going to happen. So you need to be responsible enough to start planning and worrying about that. And I tell you what, it is a sin, because Jesus said, once again, in Matthew 6, verse 25, he says, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat and what you shall drink. If you don't mind, put that on the, on the screen there. Don't worry about your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or what you shall eat, drink, nor about your body, what you will put on 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Uh, people are concerned about clothing, not because of name brands, but because of their appearance. See, clothing represents our appearance. Clothing represents how we see ourselves and how we want other people to see us. And if you are worried about clothing, then you're worried about your appearance. And if you're worried about your appearance, then you're worried about falling flat on your face and God not providing for you. See, truth be told, the greatest worry of all is God's promises not coming to pass in your life. The greatest worry of all is God not doing what he said that he would do. The greatest worry of all is God not providing and supplying like he said that he would provide and supply. And what we do with clothing is say, don't worry about your appearance. I'm going to take care of you. I remember when we started the church uh, several years ago, I remember being concerned at the beginning that, uh, man, it's going to fall flat and nobody's going to support it and nobody's going to uh, be a part and help out. And then we're, I'm going to get embarrassed. And I stepped out by faith to start this and I'm going to be embarrassed and everybody's going to laugh at me. And well, that was worry talking to me and saying, hey, don't do this. Don't do it. Don't do it because you're going to be embarrassed. And then if you trace it back, I'm more concerned about my appearance than I am about obeying God. I'm more concerned about what people are going to say about me. I'm more concerned about what people are going to do than I am about what the Lord's telling me to do. And so Jesus is telling us, don't worry. In verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Now, pause right here. He says, consider the birds of the air. Look at them. Have you ever took time to just consider the birds? I have, sitting on my porch, considering the birds. They are not worried about one thing. They're flying around. They're building their nests. They're feeding their, their kids. They're doing whatever they want to do. And they're not worried about one thing. And look, it says they don't have the ability to sow nor reap. That means they don't have the ability to give. They don't have the ability to necessarily receive, nor save, nor gather into barns. They don't even have the ability to save. But watch this. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Say, I'm more valuable than the birds. Well, that's so important. In verse 27, he says here, so which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Can worrying add any benefit to your life? Is worrying about something advantageous to your life? I submit to you that worrying is unnecessary. It doesn't add any benefit and it doesn't add any advantage to your life. And if the birds are not worrying, then we shouldn't be worrying. Matter of fact, nothing else in God's creation worries except for humanity. Nothing else in God's creation worries except for humanity. So I submit to you that it is unnatural to worry. Think about that. We do it so often that we feel like it's natural. But actually it's unnatural because nothing else in God's creation worries except for humanity. Look at verse 28. He says, so why do you worry about clothing? We talked about that. Consider the lilies of the field. Watch this. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Let's pause there. Consider how they grow. So behold, look at how they grow. 
Are they worried about anything? Are they working really, really, really hard? Are they trying so hard to stay above water? Are they just, just a hoping and a praying? No. Consider how they grow. They just grow because they're not worried about it. They're not concerned about it because if, if God can feed the birds, then he can take care of the lilies of the valley. If God can take care of uh, someone else, then he can take care of me. And so they're not worried about it. Consider how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Let's look at verse 29. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He wasn't as beautiful as these lily of the valleys. And he was considered the richest man to ever live. And these guys or these guys, I'm sorry, these plants, these lilies, they're not worried about anything. But they didn't even look as beautiful as Solomon looked. And look at verse 30. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, watch this. This is a good question. Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And so essentially, he's telling us here that if God will clothe the lilies of the valley, won't he clothe you? That means won't he take care of you? And then he simply says here, you have little faith. So Jesus calls you out. The only person that really um, addressed someone's level of faith is Jesus. We're not to address each other's level of faith and where we are. And, you know, I've got more faith than you. That, that's, that's not our calling. Jesus is the only one that addressed someone's level of faith. But you, knew, you do need to examine your faith. You need to consider where you are. And he said, if you're worried about all these things, then you have little faith. And look at verse 31. He says, therefore, do not worry. So we see it again saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Let's pause here. Do not worry. There it is again. So it's a sin to worry about it. He says, do not worry, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? How am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to put gas in the car? How are we going to take care of these kids? How can I protect my kids when they're at school? How can I take care of my wife? Don't worry about these things. This is, this is so clear. It, it, you, this is not confusing at all. Why, why don't you worry about these things? Because he said, if I can clothe the grass, I can clothe you too. If I can take care of the birds, I can take care of you too. He says, don't worry about these things. And it's, it's interesting that worry is received by saying something. So you can't stop thoughts. You can't stop worried thoughts from coming to your mind. They're going to come. I mean, it's like the birds in the air. I can't stop them from flying over my head. But I can stop them from putting a nest on my head. <laughs> you can stop the thoughts by changing the thoughts. How do you change the thoughts? You can't fight thoughts with thoughts. You fight thoughts with words. You can't fight thoughts with thoughts. You fight thoughts with words. So how do you do that? Thought comes, man. My goodness, um, there's a dog out there and it's going to bite my head off. Man, I start, then what do you do? How, how, do you, how do you combat that? In the name of Jesus. 
I believe that God is my protector. He's my deliverer. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. God's going to take care of me. And if I got to go out there and that dog out there trying to bite my head off, I'm going to take care of that dog. and He's not going to take care of me. Glory to God. That was a silly example. But you know what I'm talking about. When these, when these thoughts come, well, how are you going to pay the rent? God's going to supply all of my need. Well, how are you going to feed uh, your kids? God shall supply all of my need. So you fight these thoughts with words and you begin to speak the word of God. And as you speak the word of God, the thoughts will change. Matter of fact, your thoughts have to stop when your mouth opens. It's really difficult to think and talk at the, at the very same time. So your thoughts will stop when your mouth opens because your ears and your mind is listening for what your mouth is saying so that it can then formulate images in your thinking. So if you always are thinking, I'm broke, busted, and disgusted, then your mind says, well, that's all we hear. That's what we're going to formulate in our thoughts, and you're going to be broke, busted, and disgusted. But if you begin to say, I am the righteousness of God, I am prosperous, by his stripes, I'm healed and healthy. And Jesus was made poor so that I could be made rich. You start thinking that way, your, your ears hear it, your mind starts formulating more than enough. God's going to supply. God's going to take care of me. God's going to keep me safe. God is going to watch over me. God is going to lead God and direct me. And then you begin to be, watch this, motivated by your thinking than by anything else. Everything in life, everything you do in life, every way you feel in life is because of your most dominant thought. Your life goes in the direction of your most dominant thought. And your thoughts affect your feelings. And so if you feel a certain way, ask yourself, what am I thinking? I feel sad. I feel down. I feel depressed. I just, I don't feel like I normally feel. Well, ask yourself, what am I thinking about? This is something I've put into practice in my life. If I'm feeling a certain way, whether it be angry, anger, if I'm feeling anger, I ask myself, what am I thinking? And I also ask myself, what am I afraid of? Because anger is directly connected to your worst fear. You're angry about something because you're afraid of something. I told this story years ago, but when we first got married, uh, you know, one of the things when you first get married that you have to work through, every married couple has, is you got to work through the finances. <laughs> I mean, and it might take years to come to some point where you guys are on the same page financially, because typically one person's a spender, one person's a saver. Typically, generally speaking, um, one person may be a little more motivated to accumulate funds financially. The other person may not be. I mean, it's just simply the facts of life. The opposites attract. Paul Abdul said that. Opposites attract. Remember that song? Yes. Okay, y'all, come on, y'all. Not that holy. Thank you. And so I remember we first got in, I told Stacy, and I, I handled the, the budget in our home. I said, Stacy, we got X amount of money for groceries, you know, get some groceries. Now, I was single. I was living off Hot Pockets and and t Tostitos and, you know, burritos and, you know, 50 cent, you know, little, them, you know, them burritos things. And so that's how I was living. I said, so I told her a number, uh, you know, I think I said 150 for groceries. I thought that was extremely high. <laughs> and so I said, this is all we got for groceries. She come back, she spent 200 bucks. 
man, I had a fit. You spent more than we needed and da, 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 da. Now imagine in today's society, I mean, chicken wings have gone up like double the price right now. And so I, I was bent out of shape. I, what's going on? And the Lord, the Lord spoke to me. He said, what are you afraid of? And I'm like, well, I'm not afraid. I'm angry. She's, she's spending the money and this we only had budget in. And he's like, no, what are you afraid of? I'm, like, I'm, I'm not afraid. Why are we talking about fear? Should be talking about anger and you should be talking to her about don't spend more than what's allocated for this and that. And finally, I answered the question. He said, why are you so angry? I said, no, no. He said, why are you so afraid? I said, I'm afraid that she's going to spend all my money, (laughs) all of our money. We had just got married. I was afraid she's going to spend it all and we would be broke, busted and disgusted. And, And the Lord said, I shall supply. I will provide. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, Truth be told, you want to hear the truth? If you don't work, you don't eat, right? And here's the other side of the truth. And the same verse. And it says there, you are working so that you may have something to give. I'm working to provide for myself. God said he's going to provide for you. I'm working so that I can be a blessing to someone else. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I'm working so that I can have something to give. I'm working so that I can open up my heart and give to someone else that doesn't have need or, or give to, to my family or give to the church or, or give. I'm, that, that's why I'm working. God's going to take care of my needs, but I'm working to give. Glory to God. When you start seeing that, you'll stop worrying about God taking care of your needs. That doesn't mean you won't be tight. That doesn't mean that you won't have more month than money. It simply means God will find a way to get to me what I need because he said he'll take care of all of my daily needs. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Now let's look at verse 32 here. Matthew 6, verse 32. No, let's go to verse 31. I'm sorry. Matthew 6, verse 31 says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? Now let's look at 32. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Let's pause here. The Gentiles, they are people that, are, that don't have a covenant relationship with God. They're people that don't have a father. They're called Gentiles. They're separated from this entire passage we're reading. They have no connection with this whatsoever because they don't know God and they don't have a heavenly father. He's saying the Gentiles seek everything they need to pertain to their own life, to their own needs. What should they eat? What should they drink? What should they wear? These are the things the Gentiles seeking. Don't be alarmed when you go to work and someone is scrounging and hustling and trying to, you know, get some more money so they can, you know, pretend like they're taking care of their needs. And what they're really going to do is get paid on payday and go spend $500 drinking it up and then get back in the same situation about I have needs. This is what the Gentiles do. But look at this. Your heavenly father knows. Aren't you glad that he knows you need all these things? He knows you have need of what you need that pertains to this life. He knows you need all things. Look at verse 33. Then he gives you a solution. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Watch this. And all these things shall be added to you. 
What things? All the things you need that pertain to life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. All these things shall be added to you. So what's my job? My job is to seek first the kingdom. Now, notice Jesus didn't say seek only. He said, it's okay to seek a spouse, to seek a new job, to, you know, to seek a new car, to seek to buy someone a car. It's okay to seek those things, but make sure you seek first the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is God's kingdom or king's domain, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God flows through the house of God. And he's saying, seek first the kingdom of God or the house of God. Seek God first and his kingdom, his house, the way that he wants to manifest himself to this lost and dying world. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. Everything you need shall be added. Somebody say added. added. This was uh, many years ago. We, were, we, had, we had secured this facility that we're in now and uh, we had quadrupled the amount of rent from our previous facility to get in this facility. And I remember the Lord told us to do it. It was going to quadruple the rent amount. And my, my financial accountant, which he still is to this day, great guy, he said, Pastor, I advise not to do this. I, I advise that we don't quadruple the amount. Just stay where we are. And I said, aren't you glad that I'm the boss? And you're not. Uh, I'm the boss, and this is what we're going to do. And um, you just make it work. That's your job. Make it work. And so... We, we did. Now, he's apologized to me since, saying, I was wrong. You have, you were right. And uh, so we came in here, and, man, there was a one particular time that rent was due, and we just didn't have the money. I mean, I even, I even got to the point where, you know, we, we need to do, there's a, we might need to sell something. We might need to get rid of something. I mean, we don't have the money for rent. I did not want to go to the, to the landlord and essentially say, hey, we don't have the rent this month. I just don't feel comfortable doing that. Nothing wrong with doing that if you have to do that, by the way. I didn't want to do that. And I'm like, Lord, you said you're a supply. We have been seeking first the kingdom. This, this church seeks the kingdom first and we invest in, in outreaches and other ministries that are seeking first the kingdom and helping people. We are doing this. You said you will add to us. And so it's getting close to the, to the rent due date. It's getting close. It's getting close. It's getting close. And I'm, I'm struggling. I'm not sleeping. I'm biting my nails. Back of my head's hurting. I'm up at night. I'm tossing and turning. I'm doing all those things I described to you. I feel like I'm shedding hair. I mean, my goodness, what are we going to do? We, we got to, we need this rent money. And Lord, behold, a guy calls me up and he says to me, uh, the Lord told me to uh, pay your rent. He said, how much is your rent? And I said, what now? He said, Lord said, pay Pay the rent of True Life Fellowship Church no matter how much it is. He said, how much is it? I said, wait, what? He said, God told me to pay the rent. Now, this is a guy that doesn't go to our church. This is a guy that just heard from God and said, you know what? Go ahead. The Lord told him to pay the rent. I hadn't talked to him about what was going on. And I said, oh, my goodness. He sent a check. He said, I'm going to overnight it so you can have it quick. I said, you don't know. We really we really need it. He was like, well, use it. That's why I'm sending it. I'm going to overnight it to you and get it. And we turned it in and we begin to praise and honor and glory to the Lord because God can get to you anything from anyone, anywhere, at any time. But, it's, but, but there's a condition. We have to seek first. 
See, if you if you consistently broke and constantly tight, something ain't right. If you're consistently broken, constantly tight, something ain't right. I submit to you, are you seeking the Lord first in your finances? Are you seeking the Lord first in your endeavors? Are you seeking the Lord first? Seed reproduces in like manner. If you want more time, sow more time. If you want uh, more money, sow more money. Seed produces after its own kind. And so I said, Lord, we, we seeking, we've been seeking financially. And, and Lord, we, we got to have it. And he places it upon someone else's heart to say, I'm going to take care of that for you this month. And glory be to God, man, we, we haven't missed a beat since. It's because of God's grace and people like you that are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The house of the Lord is taken care of. Praise the Lord. We don't owe no one nothing in this. Everything here is paid for. Praise God. Brand new. Glory be to God because, because we are seeking the Lord. You individually, us as a church are seeking the Lord. He's adding unto us. But look at verse 34. So powerful. I said all that to say this. Therefore, once again, Jesus said again, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is a commandment from God. Do not worry about tomorrow. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, it's not a, a feel good, you know, kind of statement. It's not a motivational speech. It's a direct commandment. Don't worry about tomorrow. Why? For tomorrow has its own worries. Don't reach into the future and bring the worries of tomorrow into today. Don't do it. Stop it. Don't allow yourself to do it. Do not worry about tomorrow. Now I'm talking in, I know some of you are hearing this like, well, how in the world can we do this? I'm going to tell you how to do this. But first I need to tell you to stop it. When tomorrow, when the thoughts of tomorrow come, stop it. What are we going to do? Uh, how in the world are we going to do that by Thursday? It's only Sunday. I don't have to worry about Thursday because it's just Sunday right now. How in the world am I going to go ahead and start that business? Well, it's just, it's just today. Praise God, everything starts as a seed. It starts small. Start something small. Glory to God. Uh, you guys know, many of you know, I've written two books, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the third book I'm writing right now. It's going to be about anxiety and fear, and this is going to be, this kind of stuff's going to be in the book. And I'm like, how in the world? That's such a big topic. How are we going to write it? You know how you write it? One sentence at a time. So I'm not worried about how to get the book done. I'm, worried, I'm not worried about anything. I just need to write a sentence. And if I write a sentence or a paragraph today, that's more than I did yesterday if I didn't write anything yesterday. Come on, somebody. And so don't worry about it. Start. And so he says, stop. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Now, look at John chapter 14, verse 27 in the Amplified version. John chapter 14, verse 27 in the Amplified. I want you to, I want you to take a look at this as Kelly gets it on the screen for us. She's doing an awesome job. Great job, yeah, Kelly. Yeah, give her a hand. Peace. Somebody shout, peace. I leave with you my own peace, my personal peace. I now give and bequeath to you 
Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now watch this. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. So this is so interesting. It didn't say God was going to do this for you. Well, God's going to stop you from being agitated and disturbed and intimidated and cowardly. And so, no, you have to do that. You have to stop allowing yourself or permitting yourselves to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. It's something that I have to do. And uh, I believe it's First Peter 5, 7. Uh, Peter tells us to cast all of our care upon the Lord, for he cares for us. So what does that mean? I'm going to have to take this care and I'm going to have to cast all of it unto the Lord because the Lord cares for me. But notice the Lord didn't say, I will take your care and I will cast it for you. And then I will put it on me and all you got to do is kick back. No, he's saying you're going to have to take this care and you're going to have to throw it. You're going to have to cast it. And he says you're going to take all of your care, not 75%, all of your care. So imagine this is my key fob and imagine that, um, well, no, don't imagine this right here. This is my key fob, key card. My, this is the, the keys to my car and I'd cast it over to Nate right now. So I don't have the key to my car. I just casted it to Nate. So if the devil says, what, what about your car? What you going to do with your car? What's going on with your car? Well, uh, somebody going, you know, somebody says, Hey, I might need to borrow your car. Well, I, I don't have the key. What, what happened? I cast it over unto the Lord. I took it and I don't have it anymore. I don't have the key. You're going to have to go to Nate to get the key to drive my car because I don't have the key. I have casted the key over to Nate. Likewise, when you cast your care over unto the Lord, you don't have it anymore. But if you want to get it back, you're going to have to go to the Lord and get it back from him. If I want my key back, I got to go to Nate, get my key back. If you want to keep carrying the care, Lord, I cast it unto you. And then you say, oh, my goodness. Somebody say, well, guess what? You know, they're going to lay, they're going to lay everybody off. Or guess what? You, you know what? You're going to lose that house. Or man, you can't make that car payment. They're going to come repo your car. You say, no, no, no. I don't carry that care. I didn't gave it to the Lord. I'm not going back to the Lord to get it. Amen. He's got it. I, and you, some of y'all need to start saying, instead of saying, be careful. Some of y'all need to start saying, I don't care. Say, say, I don't care. I don't care. You, you got to get in the habit to say, when someone comes to you with this bad news, or did you hear what President Biden said? Did you hear what? The, I, you know what? I don't care. You just going to have to get that. What, what does that mean? That you see, it feels irresponsible to say that, right? But, but, uh, but worry comes disguised as responsibility. I don't care. Uh, my wife and I were talking about something and there was some issue we had to address and all this worry started coming in. I told her, I said, look, I said, I don't care. And she knew where I was coming from because that could, you know, some people can get offended by that. But I, I was just, she knew where I was coming from. I don't care. And she was like, you know what? I don't care either. I don't care. We're not going to carry the care. Now we'll address the situation, but we're not going to carry the care of it because we have cast it over unto the Lord. I, I, listen, I can't tell you how much I don't care. That's, my, that's a new one I say. I can't tell you how much I don't care. I don't, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care. Say it again. I don't care. 
I know we've been taught to care, and we've been taught to carry these things, and we've been taught to feel responsible, and we've been taught to act like we're you're utilizing wisdom in this, and, and if you don't care about it, then you know you really don't mean anything. No, I just, I don't care. Amen. I don't care. I don't care. There was a pastor friend of mine, and um, he, he called me, and I asked him how service was, and this is what he said. We had, you know, 78 people and the offering was, you know, 2,700 bucks or whatever. And I was like, what? that's not how service was. Right? And I was like, okay. And then the next week I said, how was service? He said, we had, you know, 24 people and less than 1,000 the offering. And, and I just, I'm so, I'm, how are we going to pay all these bills? How are we going to do that? What do you think about it? I said, I don't care. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, what? I was like, I, I don't, I don't care. I said, did, did God start this or did He not start this? And if God started it, He gonna have to maintain it. And if God started it, then He got the bills belong to Him. I don't got a shucking job. Come on, somebody, if you will. I need fifty dollars over here. I need twenty five and my thousand dollar folks. I need you to line up right here. I don't, we ain't doing all that. And we gonna fry some chicken. Come on, it's fried chicken day. We gonna sell the chicken to pay the bills. No, I don't care. I'm going to do what God's telling me to do. And then God, is, he said fish fry. And then God is going to supply. I really believe the Lord wants us to get there. I really do. I really believe he wants to get to the point where we just say, I don't care. I don't care. Doctor's report. Doctor's report come. Yeah, it looks like you got cancer. You know what? I, I take what you're saying as fact in terms of I'm not going to deny the existence of that report. I'm going to address it by faith and we're going to eliminate this cancer. We might change the way we eat. We might do a little more exercise. There's a lot of things that we're going to start to do. But but doc, I don't care about when you say you got two months to live. I don't care. I don't care because my God shall supply. Healing is running through me. Man, once we get to the point, we got to get to the point, guys. We just don't. We're going to hear negativity. We're going to hear it. And that care is not for us. We're to cast it over unto the Lord. Matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, take a look. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It's, um, let's do the New Living Translation. Paul wrote the book of Philippians. And in our daily Bible reading, we've just finished Philippians. We're in Colossians now. But look what Paul said in chapter 4, verse 6. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So, so how do I stop worrying? Well, first, don't worry. Stop it. Don't allow worry to get on the inside. You so what am I supposed to do? Instead, I'm supposed to pray. I'm supposed to talk to God about it. I'm supposed to open up to God about it and pray about it. Instead of worrying about it, I'm supposed to pray about it. The message translation says, turn your worries into prayers. Turn those worries into prayers. Say, Lord, you know what I'm going through. You know what I'm facing. I thank you that your word says this and your word says that and your word says this and that. Matter of fact, here it is on the screen. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Look at that. Letting God know your concerns. We're to take the worries and turn them into prayers. I don't know what to pray about. Well, what are you worried about? That's what you should be praying about. 
And here's another thing, if I may add. I didn't write uh, anything in the Bible. This is Devon 316. Uh, talk to somebody, talk to somebody about your worries. Talk to a faithful friend. I'm not talking about Willie Lump Lump and Pookie and Ray Ray. I'm talking about somebody that believed God. And you say, you know what? I'm worried about this. And I know you're, you're a man or woman full of faith. I need you to encourage me. I need you to help me. I, I need you to speak life into me. I mean, we should all have some kind of faithful friends that we can reach out to and say, I, I got to I gotta hear you preach to me for a second. I mean, come on, tell me that everything's going to be all right. Talk to your friends about it. Faithful friends, not everybody. Your faithful friends about what you are carrying, what you're carrying and what you are worried about. And when you do that, they will encourage you or they if they're good friends, if they're if they're not good friends, if, if they don't encourage you, they're not good friends. That's a test right there. But if they are, they should encourage you. And you, you lead that conversation thinking, I'm so glad I talked to them about this. I am full of faith now. I'm encouraged that God's going to handle this. And you might get weak again. The truth be told, we're not always strong. Stop acting like you're always so strong. You're not always strong. So talk to, talk to the Lord and talk to somebody and say, hey, I've got this going on and I need you to encourage me. See, we should be people that are carefree, worry free. We don't care. And here's what's happening in our, in our society far, far too often most people are carrying the cares of the world. They're literally carrying the care. Well, the country is going to hell in a handbasket. Well, no, stand up and fight against it, but you don't have to carry that care that because you don't have the responsibility in and of yourself to even make the change. Are you listening to me? Now, you do your part. You pray, you act, you, you vote, you, you stand up for righteousness. You do your part, but the care of it. There was one particular time, I haven't thought about this story since Bible school. Uh, Kenneth Copeland came to our, our Bible school and he was taking questions, questions. And some lady had a question and um, she said, um, People are going to hell. And she just broke down. And I hate that people are going. And what can I do? And I don't want Jesus to come back because everybody's going to hell. And next thing you know, she just broke down. Like she had the mic and she was sobbing. And, and I was like, oh, you're right. People are going. I started feeling like, man, she's right. People are going to hell and we got to stop it. And, and she was crying and sobbing. I was like, we got to, we got to do. That's why I'm in Bible school. We got to do something about it. And, and Kenneth Copeland, I, I never forget, he stopped and said, that is not your responsibility. He said, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of sin. You begin to pray and you begin to share and let the Holy Spirit convict them unto salvation. That responsibility is on the Holy Spirit, not on you. Oh man, that was so, I was so refreshing. And that lady straightened up and he was, she's like, he's like, you've been carrying the wrong care. Here's another one. I have a burden. I have a burden for the loss. I, I understand what you're saying. You, you, you really, you really want 
to let the lost know about the redemptive work of Christ Jesus. But, but, but the Lord told us that he wants to remove our burdens and destroy our yokes. We shouldn't be walking around with burdens. I got this burden on my back. We should be excited about, you know what, I have the privilege and the opportunity to minister to the lost so that they can receive Jesus. And, and there should be so much joy in that, so much gladness in that, that, hey, whether they, listen, whether if they re- reject what you're saying, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the Lord Jesus. And I believe he knows how to handle himself. Amen. We, we should be some of the most carefree, worry-free people walking on this earth to where I, I just don't care. Now, that doesn't mean we don't do our part. It just means I'm not going to carry the care over it. Too often, even in relationships, somebody, somebody needs to hear this because the Lord's got me going. We, well, um, my, that, that person disrespected me. It's because you have so much, you, you have so much care about what you think about yourself. See, you can't, uh, Colleen and I were talking about this before church. You can't be a pastor and be easily offended. I mean, people, y'all, people gonna talk about me. I mean, people make fun of me all the time. They, you know, they say this and that and the other about me. I, I can't, listen, I can't care that much about what they're saying. And I can't think so highly about myself that, that, you know, now I have to defend. I have to defend myself, you know. No, no. I mean, you're going to say what you say and, and think what you think. Anyway, some of you, even in relationship, well, I, they said that to me and I'll tell you what, I'm going to have to correct them. No, I don't. You know, I don't even care what they said. This one particular time, there was a group of people around. You know, I'm a pastor and some guy, some guy said something. He cussed at me. Like in front of everybody, he's wearing a cuff. And people are like, and I just looked and I said, man, I'm, I'm so sorry you feel that way. And then later on, a friend of mine came and said, man, I thought we were going to have to jump on him and, 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 you know, and handle this. And he said, the way you handled that, man, he was like, I said, you know why? Because I don't care. Right. I, 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 I don't care. I don't care. And when you don't care, you can walk around carefree. You're not easily offended. You're not upset. You, you, you're not taking everything so personally. I, I don't care. Well, this is what I think about you and, 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 and this and that. I, I, I don't care. I don't care. Say, I don't care. Well, you might not be able to pay your house payment this morning. Say, I don't care. Well, you might not be able to, to eat this afternoon. Say, I don't care. Well, you might not be able to make your car payment. Say, I don't care. Man, I'm telling you, yeah, come on up, Gene. When you don't care, there is so much freedom. So much freedom in not caring about the things of this world. Did you know that this is a temporary world? And that it's passing away? And, and our longevity and our and, 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 and eternity is not going to be spent here. I don't care. Say it again. I don't care. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you 
And remember to love, learn, live and lead.